Welcome to The End Game, a podcast about the positive aspects of aging with grace, with joy, and with purpose. I'm your host, Don Auction. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get on with today's show. So my guest today is Miriam Goodman. Miriam is a journalist, author, award-winning radio and television producer, and public relations consultant. She created, produced, and hosted the first nationally syndicated feminist radio program. She produced documentaries for television that were nominated twice for Emmy Awards. She is a contributor to numerous print and online publications, and she is also the author of Reinventing Retirement, 389 Bright Ideas About Family, Friends, Health, What to Do, and How to Live, and Where to Live. And more recently, her new book, newer book, too Much Togetherness, Surviving Retirement as a Couple, which we will be talking about today. Miriam, it's really an honor to have you on our podcast. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here. So in Too Much Togetherness, you make a strong case that the retirement of one or both partners in a relationship totally alters the dynamic. Why is that? It's because people don't talk about it. They um they assume that the marriage is going to pretty much remain the same as it was when both of them were working and they were out of the house and nobody sits down and says, well, gee, uh, I'm going to retire. What do you think about it? Or uh, I'm going to retire. Why don't you retire also? And in fact, that's what happened with my parents. My father uh, decided to retire and my mother was the editor of a weekly newspaper and she just loved it. And it was their entire social life and everything about it. And, um, my mother thought she needed, you know, different generations. So she thought she needed to do to retire when her husband did. And it was terrible because my father died soon after. And my mother, you know, was bereft of everything, her, her career and her husband. And um, it just wasn't a good idea. But, but, you know, that was that generation. I hope our generation is a little more communicative about uh, desires. But um, one of the funniest things happened, I was visiting a friend in England and, and my husband and her husband were talking on the couch and we were sitting a little bit away and she said, well, what, what was the main thing that you discovered when you were writing the book? And I said, I discovered that men become their fathers. Oh. They think that they should act the way their fathers did in retirement. And she stopped. She said, wait a minute. And she goes over to her husband and says, you have to stop talking to him. You have to listen to what she has to say right now <laughs> because I will not tolerate that if you become your father so it was pretty funny and and what happened was that um i discovered because i interviewed hundreds of people and i discovered that because they didn't talk about it the men thought well i'm retired and i'm not going to do anything in the house i'm not going to change anything and it's just going to go on the way it was i'm going to be served (laughs) and um the women did not think that was right especially the women who kept working you know the ones because as um, our generation has gotten older, a lot of women um, started their careers late. They stayed home with young children and started late. So by the time they're in their 60s uh, or early 70s, they're right where they want to be in their careers or are about to become president of the company or something like that. And they don't want to stop. You know, finally, they have control over their lives and they don't want to stop. And um, the men don't often get that. And one woman told me how she really, you know, she was about to become a senior vice president and her husband comes home one day and he says, look, I just bought us tickets for a six week cruise. 
And she says, wait a minute, you know, I'm doing this. I'm not going on any cruise. He says, well, we've always talked about taking this. And she said, yeah, but not now. It's not a good time for me. So it's really, as in everything, it's all about communication. I also got the impression from reading the book that when a man retires, it's a feminist issue. It which... is a feminist issue. You're absolutely right. Please explain that. Well, you know, women um, today have been multitasking all their lives. And they know how to handle their home life and their work life and their friends and their exercise and everything else. And men, by and large, it's not everybody, but by and large, men have mainly focused on their work and, and maybe grandchildren, children. And um, they don't know what to do when they don't have that anymore in their lives. And the women, it's just one part of their life. If they stop working, it's just one part of the stuff. Everything else still remains the same. And um, women have to stand up for themselves and say, look, you know, I've, I've been out of the house. I've been doing things. I have a life that didn't include you you know of course I was home every night we had dinner you know we had our weekends we did it whatever we did socially but I still have a life and the men are shocked they really thought that retirement meant they were both going to be home together all day every day and do everything together and that's why I, I made it a feminist statement I mean you mentioned in the introduction that I, I had a feminist radio show so it's been in my blood for many years but um women have to learn to stand up for themselves and say, you know, wait a minute, you know, I have a life too, and I want to continue doing that. As long as we're talking about the deficiencies of men, uh, you had discussed some different behavior patterns of retired men. I call them the G-men, uh, yes, the ghost, absolutely. the glomer, the grumbler, the gypsy, and the general. Can you go through some of those and talk about what kind of behavior each one is? Yeah, I have, I, I put those behaviors in a little sub chapter I called whining is optional. <laughs> and um, sometimes it, it's, it's interesting because the women, if, especially if they've been married a long time, know how to get their husbands to do what they want. And when it comes to um, retirement and, and they see their husbands sitting around day after day watching bad TV, um, they say, well, why don't you take a class or why don't you you know, call your friend and start that band again that you always wanted to do in high school, or why don't you do some photography? And they find out, they rely on things that they've done before, which is maybe if he doesn't listen to me, maybe I should ask my friend to ask her husband to call him. And if this other, you know, the two men get together, whatever, whatever ways you've learned to get around. And that sometimes it just doesn't work. And so I, I came up with the, uh, few behaviors that I noticed in retirement and I said that some men turn into ghosts and they're unwilling to socialize even with old friends um, they sit in front of the computer or they watch television for hours and they often don't even change their clothes from day after day <laughs> those are the guys I call the ghosts um, the one I call the glomer is the one that wants to hold on to you all the time wants around follows you around the house insists on going with you to the grocery store. And then if you say, well, you know, I'm meeting a friend for lunch, he says, oh, is it just for women only? Can I come to lunch too? You know, instead of saying, well, gee, maybe I'll call a friend and go have lunch with him. So that's the glomer. The grumbler uh, will call you at your office. Well, what time are you coming home? And what are we having for dinner? And, um, you know, why, why are you staying so late at the office? 
that kind of thing. He's the grumbler. The gypsy is the one who wants to travel all over the world. He wants to go everywhere all the time. He's all, he's researching the next trip before you've even unpacked when you come home. And it's because he doesn't want to deal with the reality of sitting in his house alone. And uh, then there's the general. The general is the one who wants to take over everything. He's going to take over the finances. He's going to take over the housekeeping responsibilities somewhat. And um, he's sure he can do it better because he has time now than he ever did. And my favorite of that was a um, several women reported that the husbands insisted that they fire the cleaning lady because um, they didn't know what to do when the cleaning lady came. I mean, it, they couldn't figure out that maybe should, they could go for a walk, go to the library, or move into a different room. Um, you look surprised, but, you know, a lot of men didn't understand how the, the cleaning lady worked and would come home to a clean house and, and not maybe think that, you know, some extraterrestrial had come in and cleaned it or something. But, yeah, that that's really hard. And, and you know, another one of my friends told me how when she watched her parents as they aged, she said, I'm never going to be that couple in the supermarket where the husband's picking up the one can of tomato sauce and says, well, how come you buy this one? It's more expensive than the other one. She says, I swore it would never be me. And she says, and now it's me. He follows me to the, to the market. He tells me which I should buy, why this one's cheaper or why this one's better. And she says, you know, I've been feeding for 50 years. He never complained. But now he has to have some job. And that's it. Wow. So since we don't want men to turn into these G-men, uh, what should a man be doing in retirement? Um, he should think about it before he retires and he ha should have something to retire to. That's the main thing. Um, he should uh, talk to his wife about what his expectations are, what her expectations are and what they can do together. One of the things I used to suggest is, is uh, get a really big calendar and sit down at the beginning of the month or maybe even just the beginning of the week and say, okay, what are we gonna to do together this week? What are your plans? Do you have any appointments? Do you have a doctor's appointment? Do you have a golf game? Do you have this or that? And they say, okay, well look, Tuesday afternoon, we're both free, why don't we go to a museum? Or Thursday morning, we're both free, why don't we take a walk? You know, maybe you don't end up doing any of those things because if you're spontaneous and something else comes up, that's even better. But um, you have that, Having an empty calendar is really dangerous for a lot of men and for women too. They want to be busy. They want to know what they're doing. Otherwise, I got to get out of bed in the morning. So that's that's the first thing I would say. The other thing is, is to um, talk to them about, I don't want to call them symptoms, but you know, a lot of men are depressed and don't know how to discuss that. You know, see if they need um, outside help. You know, see if they should really be talking to someone. See if there's a, a group they can talk to. Where I have other men who are going through the same things. I I had a friend who was a photographer, and she spent a lot of time at her computer, you know, editing and pictures and putting together things. And uh, when she would call me on a Zoom, I could see her husband sitting behind her on the couch, just listening. And he'd been sitting there all day. And he'd been a doctor, you know, he'd been very active. Mm. And she said, I didn't, I didn't buy into this. When I got married, I didn't think this was going to happen. He just sits around. And then if we do go out, he falls asleep. You know, so um, again, activity, all the things we talk about all the time, eat right, exercise, become part of this social environment, volunteer, everything that we tell um, 
older people to do and, and younger people as well if they have time. It all applies and you can't just stop because you retire. Now, I have to say, some people have been miserable working. They've had jobs they hated. They felt they had no control over their lives. And retirement is what they've been looking for their, their, for their whole 40, 50 years of work. And they may need a month or two or three to sit down and do nothing, to eat bonbons and watch, I don't know, Ellen on television or something. They might need that. So be, I would say to the, to the wives, be patient. Let them do it. But after a while, it's okay to step in and say, okay, you've had your downtime. Now, what are you going to do? You're going to take a class? Are you going to take a walk? Are you going to travel? Are you going to read those Dostoevsky novels you've never finished before? What are you going to do? And um, sometimes that works. I uh, have talked to other people about retirement who see it as a transition and therefore as something that may take a while to sort of figure out what the next thing is. This is certainly true for me. I think I spent a good bit of time pursuing what didn't quite fit until I finally slipped into the groove of, of what I'm doing and, and have been very satisfied. Um, another question along the same line is what about women? What should they be doing? The first thing they should be doing is not feel guilty. Okay. You know, that's the main thing because so many women said, you know, if I pick up a novel in the middle of the afternoon, I feel, oh no, I should be doing something with a purpose, something, you know, worthwhile. And they really feel guilty that they're not um, doing that. So they should give themselves a break also. And they should just embrace their free time. You know, if they want to improve their tennis game, if they want to lose those five pounds they've been thinking about for the last 40 years, if they, if they want to contact friends that they haven't had time to see, um, if they want to move, if they want to go visit the children or the grandchildren, they, they should do what they want to do. And I say they, meaning the women, because sometimes the husbands aren't going to want to go with them. And it's, if you're an adult and you should be able to do what you want. You know, at the same time, you have to make accommodations for your partner, just like you won't that the males will make apartment uh, accommodations for their wives. But, you know, I think that they don't have to, they don't have to be in my mother's generation and think they have to stay home with their husband all the time. And um, I think it, they should make that clear at the very beginning that they want some alone time or some me time. Right. So when your book came out, it was a decade ago and for the last two years, we've been living in the shadow of a global pandemic when my wife and I and many other couples we know were forced uh, to gather in a limited space 24-7. And your title, Too Much Togetherness, must have seemed downright prophetic. Well, I have to say, every time I mentioned it to women, they got it immediately. And often the men would say, well, what do you mean? You know, <laughs> so yes, during, during COVID, you can almost say it was a rehearsal for uh, retirement in, in a way that a two-week vacation that you might have had every year is not the same kind of uh, rehearsal. So what happened during COVID? Did, um, did you get on each other's nerves more than other times? Did you take an opportunity to go for a walk by yourself and, and not stay in the house all the time? Did, um, did the partner who used to cook um, give that up and let the other partner try to cook? Um, you know, anything like that happened during COVID probably is a good sign of what will happen in retirement if you haven't retired yet. 
And at the same time, there was all that tension about, well, I might get sick if I go go here or go there, and, right. and I don't want to do that. So, you know, and, oh, and also not seeing your family members and not seeing your mm. friends person to person has been very hard on people. Absolutely. So um, a lot of women um, have told me that um, things that I talked about in Too Much Together and have actually come true for them. They said, you know, they'll be on the phone and with a friend and their husband will walk in and say, well, where do we keep the butter? You know, <laughs> seriously, you know, or something like that, that A, could have waited and B, could have discovered for himself, but didn't want her to have some other activity. So it's very important, you know, to look at what happened during COVID and to say to yourself, is this what retirement is going to be like? Maybe I won't retire as soon as I thought I will. And if I do, um, I'm going to give myself some downtime to get used to it and get ready. I, one of the things that I did advise people is don't, you know, retire on Friday and set off on a trip to Europe on Monday. You need to, you do need downtime. You do, do need transition. You know, if it's a transition to a new, a new job, if it's a transition to creating a new thing that you've always wanted to do, whatever it is, give yourself both men and women time to, to sit back and relax. I mean, somebody said to me the other day, isn't retirement great? I said, well, I don't know. I haven't, I don't consider myself retired. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, if you keep busy and you're doing things all the time, I think it's the best way to survive as a couple and as an individual. Yeah, well, I'm happy to report that uh, my wife and I are still friends. And uh, I think that's the acid test. Two years yeah. of 24 seven, pretty much, I think, I think we made the right decision 47 years ago. So oh, there you go. Yeah. I would like to switch topics, if you don't okay. mind. Uh, you had mentioned to me that you are a member of the San Francisco Village. Yes. And as I understand it, that the concept of the village is that you're trying to help older adults age in place in their own, in their own homes. Is that essentially that it? That is correct, yes. So how does it do that? Well, um, it's interesting. We interviewed the founder and, and the executive director on a podcast last week, and people who listened to it said, "Well, I don't understand. Is it a is it a place? Is it a building? You know, is it just out there?" And again, because of COVID, there is an office. But what they do is they provide classes, lectures, walks, um, uh, you know, hikes to unusual places in town, all kinds of activities that people who are getting older can do and appreciate and have a social have a social connection and also learn something and feel um, included at the end of the day. Um, so many of the members are um, women who are widowed and maybe hadn't been used to doing things on their own so much. And this is a real opportunity for them to do that. And during COVID, which I didn't know until we did the interview, they had a lot of um, help. They provided a lot of help to people who, who didn't either couldn't or didn't want to get out. They had people deliver meals. They had people uh, drive people. They had volunteers drive people to uh, a doctor if they needed to see one in person. And um, they have this wonderful thing they do once a year where the Kiwanis Club comes in and does things that you can't do yourself. They'll uh, uh, put new batteries in your smoke detector. They'll flip your mattress. They'll reach high light bulbs if you can't get them yourself. So they provide all the things that enable you to live, uh, to age in place, and um, provide parties. They're having an Easter party. 
uh, everybody's supposed to decorate a hat and come to the party. Um, they, they, uh, in every city, it's different. This one is very lucky because they get money from the city because they do serve a lot of underserved uh, communities. Mm. And again, it's helping with whatever needs to be done, um, providing the services, the lectures. They have lectures on the fiduciaries. They have lectures on how to write a will. They have lectures on um, how to know how to know uh, when it's time for you to move into assisted living. Things like that that you maybe don't need if you're living with other people, if you're still with your family, where other people would notice these things, but they, they provide a family, I would say, and a community. What about health services themselves? No, they don't provide health services. They connect you to health services, but they don't provide them. They'll drive you to the doctor. But, you know, at this age, most people have their own uh, doctors that they right. trust, I hope. Well, so is it considered a success if... if oh, uh, absolutely. If, if... It started out in Boston and then little by little, I mean, when in San Francisco um, has been around 12 years and there are now 230 villages across the country. Hmm. So, and they all have different things. They're all run by the members. They're, you know, the classes are what members want. I know the one here has French conversations, Spanish conversations, Italian conversations. You know, all these things, people get together and, and practice their foreign languages. Um, sometimes they play Scrabble. Uh, all kinds of things are going on. I've only been associated with them since COVID. So I don't really know what went on beforehand. But I know that they uh, are back doing things more in person now. And it's the lectures and the classes and the, uh, and the opportunities to be with other people that are the most important. So... Uh... Aging in place is the goal of is is the ultimate goal that you get you get to die at home, or that's what everyone says they want to do. You know, it's true. Yeah. That's what they do say. Yeah, right. So, yeah. you know, I I saw a, a headline in the New York Times a couple of months ago that says nobody will set, tell you they want to die in the nursing home, <laughs> and that's true. Nobody Absolutely. wants to die in the nursing home. So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's helpful. Um, I've, I've written about it in the past and was not aware of the one in San Francisco. So it's just good to know how they work, when they work. Sure. And it's paid for by members? If there's a membership fee and um, they also give scholarships to people who, who can't afford it. And, um, and there's, a, a, um, there's a national organization that kind of coordinates and helps people if they want to, if there's no village in your community and somebody wants to start one, they can uh, you know, talk to the people at National and get some information. But as I said, most of them are uh, completely volunteer. The one in San Francisco does have uh, three paid staff. And, um, you know, there, as the, the founder says, usually you can say seen one, seen them all. She says with, with the village, you say seen one, you've seen one. It's not the way they are for all of us. <laughs> That's great. Thank you, Miriam. It has been a real pleasure talking You're to welcome. you. Uh, Miriam's book, Too Much Togetherness, is available online and from your favorite bricks and mortar bookstore. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Great talking to you. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our free weekly newsletter, The Endgame, at theendgame.substack.com. 
I'm Don Auction, wishing you all the best in aging with grace, with joy, and with purpose. I hope you'll join us for future programs here at The Endgame.